The following is an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation. Welcome to the Pirate Radio Podcast, featuring special guests discussing a wide range of topics and personal stories. The Pirate Radio Podcast is presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Nothing tastes quite like it. Visit WhiteClaw.com today. White Claw Hard Seltzer, proudly distributed by Coastal Beverage. Please drink responsibly. Now live from the Pirate Radio Studio, here's Shirley Rhodes. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pirate Radio Podcast featuring Alan Thomas and special guest, Greenville's own gold medal champion of the London Olympics, Lauren Perdue. The Pirate Radio Podcast is brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. On today's podcast, Alan and Lauren will have a great discussion on what it's like to be an Olympic athlete, and she talks about her time with legendary teammates Michael Phelps, Katie Ledecky, and LeBron James. Sit back and relax. Today's Pirate Radio podcast, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer, starts right now. Hello, everybody, and thanks for joining us. We're really excited to have with us today uh, a Greenville hometown hero, someone who is known by many of you, and, and what a timely time to, to have Lauren Purdue Britt with us today. Lauren, how are you? Thank you. I'm good, Alan. I really appreciate the time to talk to you guys. Yeah, thank you. And it's 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 interesting that, you know, we had quite a year, especially in your life, and the Olympics have, have come on, and I watched on the, the shows that we watch currently, and it's, it's Tokyo 2020, which always kind of throws me off, you know, being that it's 2021, but, I mean, it has to have been quite an ordeal. I'm not sure how many of the current Olympic team members you, you know or, uh, or have a, an acquaintance with, but it has to be just quite an amazing experience for them, building everything up for so many years and all of a sudden um you know that is belayed and pushed to another year i mean it has to be quite interesting from the experiences that you had no it definitely definitely is i mean you know like you said the the preparation for any olympics leading up to it is is incredible i mean it's more than just four years you know it's your you know entire career leading up to that point training wise and so for them to have to wait another year was you know tough but for some it was it was a good thing for some of the younger swimmers that made the team this year i think they used that extra year to kind of you know hone in on on you know the areas they needed to improve and it paid off Absolutely, and, and we're seeing that now, quite, quite a number, of, especially on the U.S. team, a lot of number. We have some of the senior members, but also some youngers, younger members as well that are really making a name for themselves. But before we get into all that, you know, long before the Olympics, you were, Lauren, you know, from, from Eastern North Carolina, and, and there's so many young people that across this area that love swimming. We have very active uh, swimming clubs here all across North Carolina. And, and tell everyone about how you really got into this as your passion as a young kid. And I know you're young, you're, uh, your parents are very, you know, very active, very athletic as well. But talk about how you got into swimming as a young person. Yeah, so, you know, I was fortunate to come from a, a very athletic family. Um, my mom and my dad both were collegiate swimmers, and um, my siblings, my sister Meredith and my brother Philip as well, were, you know, both collegiate swimmers down the road. So it, it really, you know, from an early age, we just loved the water. I mean, growing up in Greenville, you know, you're an hour and a half from Atlantic Beach, and so, you know, every weekend we would be there in the summer, and so I just grew up with water around me and the fact that my parents, you know, loved to swim so much, it just kind of came naturally for me as a young swimmer. Um, and, you know, the I mean, just 
having the you know opportunity to, to, to you know compete in a sport at that age um, is just you know such an amazing opportunity. So I'm, I'm very grateful for my upbringing and that my parents you know kind of um, you know saw that that uh, potential and, and were able to steer me towards that in swimming. So you were in the the Greenville Swim Club. Who was your coach back in the day when you really got going and and really really caught the bug and caught the interest? Yeah, so my coach is, uh, was Casey Charles, and he's still the head coach um, at, it's now called East, uh, East, ECA, which is stands for East Carolina Aquatics. Back in the day, it was GSC. Yeah. Um, and Casey, Casey started coaching me when he was, I think he was 21, and I was like 10 or 11. So wow. We go way back, <laughs> and I... <laughs> You know, I really attribute, you know, those early years when I kind of started to find myself in swimming and started to really have success. You know, I, I really attribute that to, to his amazing coaching ability. And, um, I mean, he just kind of saw that, you know, potential in me and was able to draw it out. And um, so I'm really just grateful for, for all that he did for me. At what age did you really decide, and, and I'm sure you, like me, we all grew up playing so many sports, and what age did you decide swimming is really my opportunity, and it's really opened so many wonderful doors for you, and, and you know, challenges and, and blessings, and, and when did you decide that, and uh, that, hey, this is something that I can take to, you know, to the next level and beyond? We'll see. Yeah, I, I think I was, you know, early teenage years, probably around 13, that I really just kind of, you know, started to see that, that maybe I had, you know, I had this gift, this God-given talent with swimming and, and that I, you know, it could take me places if I really, really, you know, um, put in the effort every day in training and, and really just kind of made that my own and, and which I did. And so I think it was, you know, around 13 that I, I really kind of took responsibility for it and just, you know, started to formulate this dream in my heart of, of making the Olympic team for the U.S. Yeah, and quite a vision that is, and it starts at a very young age. When did you start competing on the on the national scale and start to create these relationships with these swimmers? I'm sure which you guys had parallel careers through the past you know past fifteen twenty years. Absolutely, absolutely. So my first um, kind of junior nationals. Uh, team that I made was I was probably I'm probably getting the age wrong but I was probably you know 14 maybe 13 14 15 when I made my first junior national team and and uh, that was in Australia we went on a, a training trip and then had a swim meet um, at the end of those two weeks in Australia and that was my first really foray wow to the you know junior national kind of international competition for swimming and it really just kind of lit this fire in my heart. And, you know, I just, from then on, I was just so focused and, and I loved the sport. I wanted to, you know, continue at that level and, and take it as far as I could. And, and like you said, it, it was really cool just over the years being able to compete with the same athletes that I, you know, was on this junior national team trip when I was 14. And then through the years, you know, we both, you know, all the athletes that I was with, we all kind of grew together in the sport, and, and I still know some of them today. It's pretty cool. Even the athletes from overseas, I'm sure, and especially Australia, there's such an enthusiastic uh, swimming community over there. I'm sure that just, as you said, it lit a fire into you. Just, And it's interesting to watch the Australians are really coming on and, and really performing, and definitely in this Olympics. They really are. It's, it's been really fun to watch. And, and like you said, they are just hungry, you know, very hungry in swimming, especially. So 
yeah, it's great to watch. Yep. So, so from your time here in Greenville and Eastern North Carolina, you had a, had a, a great career, obviously with the swim clubs and also with the, with school and the opportunity talk about how you ended up transitioning to Virginia. How did you choose Virginia? And they're doing an incredible job. I believe they just won the national championship this past year, you know, for all around. They did. They did. It has been amazing to watch this year. I just get goosebumps when I think <laughs> about it because the program has come such a long way. And and um, like you said, you know, I I chose UVA. Um, I really chose UVA, you know, primarily, you know, for the academics. I wanted to go to a, a great school with, you know, good academics. And then also the swimming component was, was obviously very important. So, I really felt like UVA kind of married the two of those very nicely. Um, the swimming program was was very good. You know, it was not at the level it is today, but it was building. And, right. You know, in the process of becoming very very strong, and so and then a, another part of that was, um, you know, we had family ties to UVA. My dad swam at UVA actually for the same swim coach that I swam for. You know, years and years and years after <laughs> he was still there. And um, and then my sister at the time was was a um, rising sophomore at UVA as well on the right. Team. So it was just really special to be able to kind of continue that family legacy for swimming and and represent UVA. Multi generational legacy up in Charlottesville, a great match, no no doubt. And and it looked like it paid off for both of you guys. You you came in and as they say, hit the, instead of hitting the ground running, you hit the water splashing and had an incredible, a stellar <laughs> career. If I will say so, yeah. young lady, uh, and you did a 19 Atlantic Coast Conference championships, 16 All-American honors, ACC Swimmer of the Year, ACC Swimmer of the Year championships in 2010 and 2011 and 2013. And I'm sure you'll and you'll say this, I know, because it is a team effort. I mean, you guys do so much together and all we see is when the lights come on and those split seconds uh, in racing. But I'm sure the collegiate game really prepared you for what came next. It absolutely did. It really did. And, um, you know, the UVA swim program is, you know, we train hard. We, we race, you know, some of the best swimmers in, in the country. And, and so it, it really did kind of prepare me mentally and physically. And it gave me that confidence I really needed to, to swim at that higher level. So you, you finished up. Well, actually, I guess the, the Olympic process came in partially through your, you know, in mid-career for you, right, up at UVA. It did. So it was the summer before my senior year, so 2012 summer. And, um, you know, it, it was kind of a shock, honestly, that I made the Olympic team that summer. Um, I had been going through a, a back injury for almost a year up mm. to that point um, and just, you know, wasn't really able to train very, very well. I was in a lot of pain and I'd actually just had back surgery three and a half months before the Olympic trials. So I, it was a very kind of uncertain time for me. And so the fact that I, I was able to make the Olympic team that year by the grace of God, you know, that just kind of that entire year of, of disappointment and uncertainty just kind of culminated to, you know, this one amazing moment making the Olympic team and, and achieving that childhood dream of mine. Isn't it amazing when you have these difficult times and you, it, when it seems the darkest, it's always, as they say, the darkest before dawn. And and I know that had to really weigh on you. I'm sure you leaned on your coaches and your teammates and family and they told you not to give up. But that level of mental toughness, you know, Lauren, and what, how you're able to pull that off and, 
you know, we, we, we hear that theme right now, you know, with what's happening with the Olympics and the pressures and, and what's going on. But, but you showed up in Omaha at the Olympic trials in 2012 with nothing to lose, nothing to lose. Talk about how you got in and found a way to get on that Olympic team. I think you were the, were you the fourth qualifier uh, for the 200 meter. I was, I was, yeah. So like you said, I mean, going into the biggest swim meet of my entire life, I was, I mean, there was no expectation for me to swim well. I had, you know, no expectations for myself. My coaches didn't have any expectations <laughs> for me. You know, I just had this back surgery. I was barely back into training. I was still in pain. So I really just, you know, I went just kind of with an open mind and an open heart and just just have fun. It was really one of the first times in my career that I just had fun. You know, I just, I was not super, super nervous. I just, you know, kind of went just to be there to support my teammates and obviously, you know, swim and just do the best I could. And, and I think having that, um, just kind of taking that pressure off of myself really, really helped uh, my performance. And I was able to relax and, and thankfully, you know, miraculously make the Olympic team. So what happens after you make an Olympic team? It, it's because people think about this as a team. They all have matching shirts and everybody looks cool with USA on their chest. But you're really just this collection uh, of, of tremendous athletes that have been performing out there many times, you know, in, in the far corners of this country, not really with USA on your chest. Some have performed, you know, some, you know, representing the country and, you know, in different capacities. But but what is that like? Because it's a fairly short turn, right? Once you actually made the team, uh, how, how quick did that time go by before you had to show up in London and kind of ha- have to be ready to, to perform with, on the big stage? Yeah, so for swimming, it's it's pretty quick. Um, the Olympic trials take place, you know, usually at the end of June, and then the Olympics are about a month later. So wow. a lot of other sports, you know, they do it a little differently. Maybe some are four months out, you know, there's kind of a four month gap or six month gap or whatever, but swimming for whatever reason is, is back to back. And, and I think that's actually a really great way to, to do it because, you know, when you make the Olympic team, it is such a spectacular moment in your life. It's such an amazing feeling and you kind of get this high and, you know, it's, it's almost like you, you kind of ride that, that wave of excitement, you know, from the Olympic trials right on into the Olympics and it kind of helps you, you know, kind of make that transition, I think, maybe a little easier than if there was a longer gap in between the two meets. So um, for me, I made the Olympic team, you know, end of June in 2012 and then um, we were kind of, you know, we had like maybe five days to go back to wherever (laughs) we came from and like collect our things for basically a month. And then they flew us to our first training trip with the swim team, um, which for me was in Knoxville, Tennessee, at right. the Tennessee pool. Um, and so we were there for about a week. And then we went to our second training camp, which was in the south of France, which was just gorgeous, amazing place. Um, we were there for about, you know, 10 days. And then from there, we went to London um, to, to kind of acclimate ourselves before the Olympics started. So were there other familiar faces that you had competed against or, or teammates and coaches that you knew that kind of made it feel like a family as you jumped into this? And obviously when you spend that much time pushing so hard, uh, the team itself probably really came together and really supportive as, as, as a family in itself. Absolutely. And, 
you know, it's just funny looking back. I mean, I was, you know, 21 years old at the time. Um, I was on the team with, you know, some of the world's greatest veteran, you know, Olympic Olympic swimmers, yeah. Michael Phelps, mm. Ryan Lochte, Natalie Coughlin, Brendan Hansen, Jason Lezak, you know, all these names that, you know, I just were part of my childhood. I mean, I looked up to these swimmers so, so much. I had, I have autographs you know, from them when I was probably eight years old, you know, <laughs> I have, I have like autographed photos. And, and then I, here I am, you know, I get to be a teammate of theirs. I get to compete on the same team with them. It was just, it was surreal. It was an incredible feeling. And, um, you know, that year was, uh, we were just such a close team and, you know, everybody kind of came from different backgrounds you know, leading up to that point, but we were really cohesive as a team. And I think it showed that year at the Olympics, um, you know, we had a, an amazing, amazing swim meet. And um, I just, you know, I think it's because we were such a, such a close team at that point. So you ran the freestyle, which is a four by 200. Who were your, uh, who, who also jumped in the pool there with you in that race? And, and were those uh, swimmers, obviously you became in sync with them through the practice process where you already have some experience with them and where, where have they gone from? I mean, you guys shared such a special moment. Do you guys still keep up with each other? We do. So my, on my race, um, it was Shannon Breland, um, it was Dana Vollmer, myself, and Alyssa Anderson. That was the pre- preliminary right. heat of that relay. Um, and, and then Missy Franklin and Allison Schmidt were the other two as well that swam at night. And so, you know, we I still keep up with some of them. I mean, I, I'm retired from swimming. Yeah. So, and some, some of them are also retired, like Missy Franklin. So I don't, you know, we don't see each other as often, but... Um, whenever we do, you know, catch up, it's like old times, you know, not much has changed. So they're just a great, great group of girls. It's been really neat to watch you. And, and, you know, we all keep with each other on social media and across so many worlds. We're all so busy, but I can just see the glimmer in your eye and when the Olympics and the lights come back on and you you just go back to that moment, it seems for you. And and I'm sure. So what it, what do you think it's like this year? Very different with, you know, no crowds and going to Tokyo and kind of a different environment. Are, are you are you talking? Have you had any communication with any of the current swim team members or coaches? And and talk talk to us about what that's like, probably especially in this this year post-COVID? Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's very different. Um, I've been watching it every night. Um, I've been watching as many of the sports as I can watch, but obviously primarily swimming. And, you know, it's very different. Um, not having anyone in the stands for the most part, you know, not having that just that loud, you know, cheering, the, the energy that comes from, you know, the stands being filled with thousands of people, it's just different. It's a different feel. And, um, you know, I, I think for some people, you know, maybe that's a good thing. Some people, you know, maybe do not perform as well with, with you know, that much kind of um, spotlight on you, I guess you would right. say. Um, and so maybe it's, you know, it, it's kind of allowing some of the athletes to kind of relax and just kind of do what they were trained to do and not worry about any external distractions. Um but, you know, it's, I have to say it, I mean, it, walking out and hearing just the thunderous cheer from, you know, the people in the stands, um, especially like during opening ceremonies, walking out into the stadium with thousands and thousands of people in the stadium. I mean, it's just an amazing feeling. And I, I, I just, 
you know, personally love that feeling. You know, it, it's just the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, and it's wonderful to see the teammates, right? That's the one thing I've noticed in this Olympics, and it's really been emphasized how the entire team rallies around from so many different, you know, tennis, gymnastics, archery, whatever. They are showing up in these venues for their for their teammates and, and cheering them on. And, you know, they're all inside this, yeah. this bubble, so to speak. But that's – did you get a chance to – I'm sure you attended some events, but isn't that really interesting to see, especially, you know, in, in, in these games, how, the, how everybody's come out and really wrapping their arms around each other and, and, and bringing each other forward? Yeah, it's really, really neat. It's special. I mean, I think people are really stepping up um, and realizing that, you know, we, we've got to support our own. We've got to be there to cheer them on, you know, regardless of what sport it is. You know, they are, we are part of one nation, right? We are one body, you know, the United States, Team USA. And so I think people are really, you know, athletes are really realizing that that, that, that goes a long way, um, having that support. That is a wonderful message because the Olympic team, as, as you mentioned, we all shapes and sizes from every background and belief, but at the end of the day, we show up for the red, white, and blue and, and uh, to, to perform at our best of our capabilities, but you know, do it for our country. And, and that's, that, that's really an important thing, and I'm sure that memory for you becomes more and more special as you, as you move forward. And, but talk about this year. Let's talk about this Olympics. Talk about, more specifically, this swim team, uh, the men's and women's. What are you seeing? What are the trends that we're seeing? you know with this team and 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 not just the u.s team we've seen some others that have surged forward there's always been a lot of talk about every olympics about the australians this was going to be their year or you know the chinese or the japanese and different teams and and the advantages of having a home facility for the japanese seem to be playing out so talk about the u.s team and kind of what you're seeing across the board in this olympics yeah so it's you know primarily a very very young team right you've got a lot of first-time olympians um a lot of of teenagers, you know, people that are uh, under, you know, 20, 21 years old. I mean, it's a young team. And, and I think, um, you know, I think that could go kind of one or one of two ways. I think, you know, not having that experience could be maybe a negative thing. It could, you know, um, maybe affect performance a little bit, just kind of going in as a first timer, maybe the nerves of being at the Olympics for the first time, you know, kind of take over. Or it could go the other way, which is, I think, the way it's going, where these young, these young first-time Olympians are just, you know, taking it by the horns, and they are going after it, and they are not looking back. They're not being scared, you know, they're not timid. They are just going after it and competing against the best of the world. And it's showing. I mean, just last night, I was thrilled to watch the 200 IM um, for women. You know, we got silver and bronze yeah um and those the two you know so the silver went to alex walsh who is a um uva swimmer and then bronze also went to uva swimmer kate douglas both of them first time olympians and they went after it i mean they both i think did best times i mean you know in that race i mean they did not look back they were not scared and so i'm really really proud of the team i think um you know they really are are just kind of owning this this Olympics and and going out and doing the best they can and obviously it helps having some veterans on the team as well to kind of guide them and and uh, you know um, kind of create that that great kind of team atmosphere that they really need. 
And, and nothing better exemplified that more than, than Katie Ledecky. Who, was she one of your, your uh, teammates back in the day? She's been swimming so long. And, and the, the first time, I guess, what is it, the, the 1500 that was last night that you saw her experience. And then, as you said, a rookie uh, rises to the occasion for the U.S. and, and comes in second. Yeah, yeah. So Katie, Katie and I go way back. Um, you know, we uh, were on the the same Olympic team together back in 2012. We were both first time Olympians. She was, I think, maybe 15 years old, so she was super wow. Young. And that was kind of her breakout year. That was when she just, I mean, shocked the world. You know, with her performances at such a young age, and and her career just took off from then. So it's been really fun to watch her. Um, grow over the last, you know, 10 years or whatever. I mean, she's just an animal. She's such a hard trainer, such a good kind of really just down to earth, humble person. Um, so she's, she's just great for our sport. And, and yeah, it was great watching the 1500 and having, uh, you know, the U.S. go one, two. I mean, that was just incredible. We really needed that. So absolutely and a lot of pre-hype going into the olympics with katie ledecky and also simone simone biles and you know when you wear a goat you know as that title has a lot of pressure with that and as you said you came in with nothing to lose with the trials and before you could blink an eye you were in the olympics but but talk a little bit about it michael phelps has talked about this a lot since you know the transition to two things all the pressure that has to be and your your thoughts on simone and what she's dealing with and the approach in this olympics and and also when the lights dim down what what is that like when you step off that plateau and the interviews and, and th- those two things i think are really important in, in, in this year yeah this, that's a great question alan so you know um it's huge pressure i mean when you are competing at that level and you are you know being called the greatest of all time i mean that is huge pressure and you know we're all human right i mean simone biles i mean she seems like an immortal because she's so amazing right she is incredible michael phelps seems like an immortal you know but but they're human at, at the core they are human beings just like us and you know having that kind of pressure on you at all times to be your best at all times it's a lot it is a it is a lot to deal with and so, you know, I understand, um, I understand, you know, kind of how they're feeling and, you know, obviously at a much smaller level, I didn't have that kind of spotlight on me, but, um, you know, I, I get that. I get the feeling of, of just feeling like you've got to always perform. You have to always do your best at all times. And, you know, after the Olympics, for me, um, I, you know, I struggled. I, um, kind of you know I was on this amazing high of making the Olympic team and then competing in the Olympics winning a gold medal and then you know after that the spotlight's off and you kind of go back to your normal day-to-day routine and it's almost like a I think people call it post-Olympic depression yeah Um, it's definitely real and I I experienced it on a, a much smaller scale than you know say Michael Phelps or Simone Biles would at that at their levels but I, I experienced it, and, and it was really, really tough for me. Um, it took me, you know, probably two, three years to kind of find my groove and uh, realize that, you know, my identity is not found in swimming. Yes. Found in, in other things, in God and in other things in my life. And so I think that's important just to be grounded. Um, you know, these athletes put so much pressure on themselves. and. It really just comes down to, to where is your identity? You know, is it in your sport or 
Is it in, you know, other things um, in your life? And so just being grounded is super important for them. And you wrote a book about your story called uh, Gold and Glory. Is that correct? And about kind of your path and, and the things that really drive you and what it's all about. That had to be a great outlet for you to really kind of put it all down. Because and also at a young age, your, your story is just beginning Lauren, and I say that personally to you. I want you to know that. I think you've got so much ahead of you and so many wonderful things, but but talk about that book a bit. Just such a special, and people need to go and, and, and get a copy of that book, Golden Glory, just a, a great story. Thank you, Alan. I appreciate that. Yeah, so Golden Glory, um, that was written by Kevin Travis. Um, it was a biography of my life, um, my swimming career. I think it was written back in 2013, so pretty pretty fresh after the Olympics. And, you know, it really just kind of, um, you know, walked through kind of my early career in swimming, you know, how I kind of got started, how I got to UVA. And then from there, just, you know, kind of the, the successes that I had at UVA, but then also some of the, you know, it talked about some of the not so pretty things, some of the defeat, the injury I had with my back, um, the disappointment, you know, that I had to, to go through. Um, and then obviously kind of the, ending point of that whole thing is, is was making the Olympic team and overcoming that back injury. And so it's just, you know, and then, and then primarily it talks about my faith and, you know, how that, you know, my faith in God, how that really got me to where I am today. It's, you know, what got me through um, a lot of really challenging times in my life. And, um, you know, just my, my kind of, I guess worldview, you know, that comes back to swimming is, is swimming for God's glory to, to bring glory back to Him. So that's that's really kind of um, you know what the book is about, and um, you can find it on Amazon. I think it's still still on Amazon. It's called um, Golden Glory: The Lauren Purdue Story by Kevin Travis. And that's so awesome, Lauren. And it's just great, great to talk to you. And we'll we'll wrap up here. And so many young people will get a chance to listen to this, Lauren. And what's your message for them? Because you are an inspiration. I mean, you you know that's the thing about uh, competition. You have to learn to deal with setbacks and defeat, but also deal with you know with uh, the, the spotlight and what that's all about, and and what your identity is all about. So, any final words for, for those who may be listening in that you know, especially the young ones will be looking for inspiration, and uh, whether it's swimming or whatever they're looking to do in their life in their next chapter yeah so you know i would say whatever whatever you have on your heart as far as you know what you might have a dream for yourself you might have a a goal you know to to be a doctor one day or to make the olympic team or to play professional sport you know whatever that is you know stick to that goal i mean hold it tightly in your heart and and work towards that goal every single day um and then you know i would say kind of the, the biggest part of, of that for me was just be humble, remain humble. I mean, there are so many athletes that kind of take advantage of, of their gift um, and maybe are not the most humble people, but, you know, people are always watching. They're always looking up to these people for inspiration or to set an example. And so just be humble um, and and I'd say, you know, just strive to, to be the best you can be and, and don't give up dream big it's very very um very important that's right dream dream big and 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 always follow those dreams absolutely lauren it's so good to catch up with you and and your inspirational message and we we appreciate it and hopefully after the olympics over we'll be able to catch back up again and 
and keep striving and doing your thing. So it's just great, great to have you here, Lauren. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks so much, Alan. Always a pleasure. And that was another great episode of the Pirate Radio Podcast with Alan Thomas and his special guest, Olympic gold medalist, Lauren Perdue. Special thanks to our sponsor, White Claw Hard Seltzer. Look for White Claw at your favorite retailer next time you're out shopping. White Claw Hard Seltzer, available in five fruit flavors, two grams of carbs, gluten-free and only 100 calories, and nothing tastes quite like it. We'll be back very soon with another edition of the Pirate Radio Podcast. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in your Apple store. Visit our website at pr927fm.com and follow us on social media to keep up with the latest news and information. Until next time, have a great day, everyone. You have been listening to the Pirate Radio Podcast, brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Nothing tastes quite like it. Visit whiteclaw.com today. White Claw Hard Seltzer, proudly distributed by Coastal Beverage. Please drink responsibly. The Pirate Radio Podcast is an exclusive presentation by Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation. Thank you.